Scumbo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 261 of Combo's Court. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Get all that done for me, man. It really helps the show. Rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. It helps this show tremendously. And also, man, share this episode, man. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Today's show, Mike Singer, Denver Nuggets reporter at Denver Post, joins in to talk about Denver's roller coaster season, Michael Porter Jr.'s recent play, and we look back at the Faku Campazo signing and much more. A fantastic conversation with Mike. You can find Mike on Twitter at M Singer. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Mike Singer, Nuggets reporter at Denver Post. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? I'm great. Appreciate you having me on. Anytime, anytime. We got to talk Denver Nuggets. That's what we're here to talk about. Roller coaster season, I think. I mean, it started out real slow in the beginning. I mean, Jokic been MVP level the whole year. I thought it was a great signing with Aaron Gordon. And then, unfortunately, we have the Jamal Murray injury. I'm actually recovering from ACL surgery myself, so I kind of know the process he'll have to go through. Um what are your thoughts on the season? I think that it's kind of an underreported aspect of this season. When you talk about Nikola Jokic's MVP campaign, actually, like they have gone through so much turnover. They had seven new guys coming into this year. Uh, obviously lost Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, Torrey Craig and free agency. Michael Porter Jr. was out uh, due to health and safety protocols for an extended period they had injury problems to Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap. Um, Will Barton coming back from a knee, a knee injury that kept him out of the bubble last year. Uh, Gary Harris been injured for a month and a half before they traded him. Like, that is basically the distillation of the Nuggets season. And yet, Nikola Jokic has main, maintained this ridiculous level of play uh, for months now, has kept them afloat. They are now pretty insulated in the four seed with uh, 12 games left in the regular season. Um, to me, the fact that Jokic has played in every single game and has weathered this ridiculous season of condensed cram games is a huge component of his argument. I know you didn't ask about the MVP race, but to me it is so woven into the season and how the Nuggets have, have kind of stayed afloat and, and kept fighting and clawing that it, it, I can't separate the two. So Jokic is the, is the guy. And then to me, a, a lot of this season was about Michael Porter Jr. and, and his development. Um, and like, let's not kid ourselves. The kid's taking a leap uh, yeah. and it seems sustainable. That, you know, th that would be my... Um, you know, spark notes version of the, of the nuggets this year. Most definitely Jokic. I mean, it's fair to say that his leap really happened when Denver got to the bubble, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, Jokic has been playing like, obviously he's a three-time all-star. He actually finished fourth in MVP voting uh, two seasons ago. So when people say like, this is coming out of nowhere, like, 
I, I disagree with them. Like he has been steadily building and been this solid of a player. I think the thing that is really stunning to most people is that he's been able to sustain it um, coming off of the extended bubble run last year. They only had 60 plus days between when they got bounced by the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals um, to when they opened training camp in early December. And to me, the thing that is just so stunning about him is, is the type of shape that he came in. And like, I remember even watching him in the preseason and he just had so much energy and was like, you know, running fast breaks that you, you know, you're just not necessarily accustomed to seeing a center do that, let alone a guy in, in, in training camp and preseason, bring it like that. Um, and I had a scout tell me in preseason that they thought Nikola Jokic was going to be the MVP. I tweeted it out. I have the receipts. I wrote about it in the Denver Post that, that I thought Nikola Jokic was going to be a, a viable candidate. Um, and everybody says this is the war of attrition and it's availability award. And to me, that diminishes his argument um, because it's not like he's just standing there and waiting for all the other candidates to get hurt or drop out. He has been um, damn near averaging a triple double. He's going to either break the record or come very close to breaking the record for most assists ever in a season by a center. He's averaging, I believe, 8.7 or 8.8 uh, would threaten Wilt Chamberlain's record. Like the dude is unbelievable. Uh, no caveat. And that's, you know, that's why I think he's the favorite. And I think he's ultimately going to win. He's such an interesting player because he's the focal point of an offense, but he also is so efficient, not only in terms of numbers, but in terms of his usage, like he doesn't pound the ball. He might dribble it a little bit less than like other focal points of offenses like Harden or Giannis or LeBron. I just think it's really interesting how efficient he is, man. He's just a different type of player. Yeah, that's the other thing that people don't talk too much about with the Nuggets is they don't have a ton of playmakers. Like, uh, well, especially Jamal now, Murray, especially now, especially yeah. now, Jamal yeah. Murray can go off the dribble, can take you one on one. I wouldn't say that's his forte. Like Jamal Murray um, is fantastic at a lot of things. I wouldn't say he's like a, a, a you know an elite penetrator by any means. That was Will Barton's um, differentiating skill set. That's what made him valuable to the Nuggets is that he, he has length, he can get inside, he can get downhill, he can break you down. Um, but they don't have a lot of guys like that. And so what that means is that Jokic becomes the fulcrum of the offense. Everything orbits around him. Everything goes through him. Like if you pass to him, you know, at the elbow and the low block on the baseline, like he's, and he gets doubled, he's going to find the, the, the open guy. Like that's how he is programmed. So um, to me, what has happened is, you know, with all, you know, with, with these options, Monte, Will, and Jamal Murray out, the onus is now on Michael Porter Jr., now on Aaron Gordon, now on P.J. Dozier, guys like that to step up and make shots. If they step up and make their shots, like, they have a chance to, to at least get out of the first round, if not go farther. Uh, and I think everyone wants to undercut them and, and short circuit their season, you know, for obvious reasons, these, these injuries are devastating, but like if you have an MVP candidate and you have a, a, a sniper like Michael Porter jr. Um, most yeah. teams don't have that one, two punch. So, I mean, I'm not going to count them out uh, with a couple weeks left in the regular season. Yeah. I'm looking for MPJ to really become a household name. Uh, after this playoffs I could really see that happening I mean I, I think that he is I think that uh yeah, I, actually, think, I think I think he is for people that you know cover the sport you know hardcore fans but maybe not for you know the average watcher who casual watcher you know yeah I mean since Jamal Murray went out 
Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is is averaging 25 points a game, 55 from the field, and or 58 from the field, and 55 from three. Like 55% from three on over eight attempts per game. Like the dude has this capability. And so, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you there was a question: Was Michael Porter Jr.'s role as the third as the third option inhibiting his ceiling? And I don't think anyone was concerned with that, but I think it was a viable question. Um, just because Jamal Murray is such a high usage player yeah. without Jamal Murray, Michael Porter is going to have the opportunity. He is the unquestioned number two uh, in the Nuggets offense. He's going to be Nikola Jokic's sidekick. Like, I don't think it's outlandish for him to average 24 or 25 a game the rest of the regular season. And who knows what he can do in the, pl- in the playoffs. Um, but I, I mean, I expect Michael Porter to make the leap. He has now just over a hundred regular season games in his career, which is crazy to think about. Like, People don't realize that he's in his third year, but because he missed his first year recovering from back surgery, um, he is still like a green player. He is still figuring it out, yeah. which is like scary when you think last night he had 39 on 13 to 20 from the field. Like the dude just has capabilities that you can't teach. Uh, and that's why the Nuggets are so excited about him. I want to take it back all the way to the Faku signing. Faku Campazzo. Um, I liken it to the, Milos Teodosic signing. It's kind of somewhat similar. Uh, were you surprised by this signing when, when it happened? I wasn't because okay. Compazzo had been on the Nuggets radar for a while. Okay. Um, they actually have a guy in their front office who was Faku's teammate um, over in Europe. And so um, like they were always aware of him. They always thought like, is there a way we can bring him over? Would he be an asset? Uh, you know, they were a little thin in the backcourt this offseason and, and it kind of the, the, the stars aligned where they were able to bring him over. Um, part of the thinking is I, I think they wanted to have another playmaker, another creator to put yeah. alongside Nikola Jokic. And like they they just love putting high IQ players who are versatile. I realize the composite is a little bit undersized. Not a little bit. He is significantly undersized, but he plays with like a competitive edge that uh, Malone just loves. Like they, they saw Capazzo compete in the world cup. They've, they paid attention to him in the Olympics playing with Argentina. And like they, he's just always been impressive to them. The, the, The high IQ, the passing, the tenacious defense, like if nothing else, he was going to be a a really good uh, third string point guard behind Monte Morris and Jamal Murray. Like he's proven that he's more than that. He had a career high 13 assists last night. That is a viable NBA player. He forced like five or six turnovers against the Rockets. And I, and I know the Rockets were depleted, but Composite has been doing this the whole year, just getting into people, irritating them, making them feel his presence and his motor is nonstop. And so, you know, the Nuggets are constantly searching for guys who bring it on defense and who can create on offense. And yes, there are caveats with Composo. He's not a great three-point shooter. Um, and obviously he's somewhat undersized when he's going up against bigger guys on defense, but he fights. And like um, for a team that's kind of searching for a, a consistent motor, consistent energy type guy, Composo fits that to a team. You mentioned the defense, and I think that was the biggest concern for him but he's not afraid to guard the other player's best player. And he's really pesky and he makes it difficult for them sometimes. Uh, he wants to, he, he wants to guard those guys. Like he gets into Damian Lillard's business. He gets into John Morant's business. And like, 
he frustrates them. There's he got into Steph Curry the other night and yep. forced a turnover and and definitely Curry started raining threes on him. But like <laughs> right, what's cool right. about Compazzo is that that doesn't phase him. He's like, all right, that's fine. Like what if you zoom out and you think about Compazzo's story, 29 year old rookie. He's been fighting his entire career to get to the NBA. Like he's not going to be phased by a, an all-star guard getting hot. Like the dude is going to compete regardless of the circumstance. And like, he's been clawing his whole career NBA basketball career to get to this moment. And so, um, I, I, I mean, I believe he is the oldest undrafted rookie in, in, in the NBA or NBA history. It's one of those two. I realize there's a caveat, but like he has some crazy, um, you know, significance to, to, to the signing. And I think, you know, just from talking to guys and talking to Malone, like they love him. They love the presence. They love him as a teammate. They love the energy he brings. Um, he's just absolutely a spark plug. And, you know, we mentioned the injuries, like they badly need his play right now. That's interesting. Uh, I keep on bringing Milos up, but I know he had opportunities way back when, and he didn't even take them. So did Faco ever relay to you that, or relay to anybody with the Nuggets or anybody in the media that this was a huge goal for him and he took the first opportunity that was there for him? I think it was a goal. Uh, I don't, I think he had all other opportunities. He had other suitors um, okay. as well. The Nuggets were not the only team, the, the only team that was after him, um, but they really wanted him again, that, that, uh, friendship with with a guy in the front office who I mentioned um, played a significant part and kind of easing the transition. The Nuggets pride themselves on finding talent all over the world. I mean, their star player is from Serbia. They right. they, they they scout Europe heavily, and um, he's just kind of the prototypical Nuggets player: uh, selfless, hustles, plays hard. Um, with with a high basketball IQ. So I think for a lot of reasons there were wheels greased. Uh, to Denver that, that got Compazzo there, uh, made him comfortable that he was going to be, um, have a viable role. Uh, and, and again, the other thing is he wanted to be on a contending team. Like he's used to winning. So I think there were other teams, I believe the Timberwolves were interested in him too. Um, but that's not necessarily a winning situation. So if he was going to come over from Europe, come over from Real Madrid, he wanted to win. And the Nuggets were obviously in the Western Conference Finals last year and, and were building something special. So um for, again, for all those reasons, that's why I think Capazzo was a fit. Yeah, I thought uh, signing Aaron Gordon was such a great move for them. Uh, what have you seen from his game, and has his role changed since Jamal Murray has been out? Yeah, well, I mean, the Nuggets recognized they were thin on the wing um, when Jeremy Grant left, so that was kind of an, a, a sore spot for them. They knew that if they got into the thick of things in the Western Conference and the playoffs, that they were going to be vulnerable against the LeBrons, the Kawhis, the Lucas, and so they needed a guy who could defend the twos, threes, and fours, just kind of um, the best wing player on opponents' other on opponents' teams. So um, they identified Aaron Gordon and, and, you know, obviously the magic were, were kind of having a fire sale right before the trade deadline. And they identified him and said, this is a guy who we can get at, at, a, at the price we're comfortable with. They had to give up RJ Hampton, an elite prospect, someone who they traded up for uh, in the first round this past draft. They had right. to give up Gary Harris, kind of one of the staples of the team. And they had to give up a future first round pick. So this was an expensive trade for them but Aaron Gordon was a guy who checked a lot of boxes the, again the defensive versatility and the Nuggets felt like they could extract the best version of Aaron Gordon if they brought him to Denver I think that they pride themselves on the winning environment that they have built 
And, you know, if we're just being honest, like that wasn't the case in Orlando. He only went to one playoffs. The Magic only went to two playoffs while he was there. He was injured for the other one. Um, And I think, you know, everybody would kind of agree that uh, Aaron Gordon was a little bit miscast in Orlando. He played backup point guard at times. You know, how many forwards do they have on that team? Like he's not a perfect fit by any means. And he's, he's, he's said multiple times, he's never played with a guy like Joker before. He's never played with passers and creators like um, Jamal Murray, uh, Will Barton before. So, um, you know, at at this point, it's been a a pretty seamless fit. I think the Nuggets are hoping that with all these injuries, Aaron Gordon can be more of an offensive spark, uh, which hasn't been the case yet. Um, But I still think he's, he's figuring out his role and listen, how can you argue with the results? Um, the Nuggets are, are, I don't know the exact record since they traded for Aaron Gordon, but if you look back since March, since March 1st, the Nuggets have the best record in the NBA. They're 21 and six, um, with, uh, better than any other team. So obviously that encompasses the Aaron Gordon trade. And uh, now I just think that they are expecting him to kind of raise his ceiling uh, without Barton, without Jamal uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and he proved he could do this in Orlando. You could put him on another team's best player, and obviously it's almost impossible to stop some of the, some of the league's best players, but he could slow them down and make them a little bit less efficient. Yeah, and, you know, in talking to Aaron, I think that that's come across pretty clearly is how much he prides himself on defense, how much he, he, how physical he is, how he likes to take away angles, how he gets frustrated when he gets beat one-on-one. He always talks about that in post-game press conferences. So um, I think he's a guy who you can kind of plug and play on those, uh, on those elite wings. And, you know, what's tough is that he was taking on so much defensive responsibility and the Nuggets didn't necessarily need him to be that offensive a spark plug with the starters when every guy when, when they were all healthy but now right. that you know those guys aren't there he is probably the third or fourth option in the offense um and they need more from him offensively uh you know i, I think he he was having a career high season shooting from three i think like 37 38 in orlando before the trade uh hasn't had that much success by any means so far in denver I think he does need to become a more consistent three-point shooter to really um, maximize his play off of Nikola Jokic, but he's learning how to kind of duck in and, and, and cut off of, uh, uh, you know, force ball movement off of when Jokic has the ball. And, and I think the Nuggets are also starting to put him more in the post to make him more of a facilitator, a more of a creator down low, just because he is so big and creates such a matchup problem for opposing threes um, and obviously if the three pointer is not falling, you got to get them closer to the basket, but I think it's a work in progress. I mean, I can tell you the nuggets are very thrilled with the results thus far. How has bowl bowls development been this season? Uh, frankly, it hasn't really happened. Um, the nuggets are one of the deepest teams in the NBA. And I think that part of the impediment for bowl bowl is that he doesn't really have a position. Like, I'm not sure what position he is. He's maybe a three, maybe a four. Can he guard opposing threes out on the wing? If he plays the four, is he going to get bullied down low? Like, uh, unfortunately, Bowl Bowl's, like, trajectory, uh, developmental trajectory does not align right now with where the Nuggets are. And that's a challenge. I mean, they signed him at the beginning of the season to a two-year deal. 
And he just hasn't gotten really any consistent run uh, because they're so deep. And, and frankly, these injuries haven't opened up a lot of time either because all, all these injuries have come in the backcourt. Like you're not going to play yeah. bowl at the two, you know, yeah. the, the, their front court is pretty stacked. So um, and with the emergent supporter, like if you peg bowl as a four, like that's not really going to work. So um, Malone loves defense. That is like, you will get on the court if you play defense and bowl has yet to prove he can be a consistent stopper with the uh, necessary and requisite engagement um, that Malone expects of his guys on defense. And so once we see that, then, then I think he's going to get more consistent minutes, but it's, it's completely, you know, a factor of opportunity and there just hasn't been a ton for bowl this year. Speaking of Malone, he's such a tough nosed coach. How has the team received him this season with all the changes? Uh, I mean, I think that they've responded pretty well to him. Um, yeah. That was part of the thinking and bringing in Jim Michael Green, uh, kind of a blue collar veteran who uh, they thought was going to mesh well with Malone. Like Malone had, had, you know, really been a fan of Green's for a while. And I just think some of the other guys who they've um, – empowered like PJ Dozier. He, he, he very much uh, has a believer in Michael Malone and you've seen the results of it. Uh, 23 points last night, a career high in his first ever start. Like PJ has emerged as a real combo guard and a real versatile piece on both ends. Uh, he's obviously empowered Faku. Uh, sure. It had to do with injuries, but he's obviously empowered him. And you know, I think the biggest one is the relationship with Michael Porter Jr. That's gone from kind of a turbulent um, relationship to where he, he had some uh, DNPs last year and was kind of searching for his role and, and trying to, you know, gain more defensive consistency and uh, conceptualize what the Nuggets were really trying to do defensively. And, and Porter has made huge strides. And to me, that is a testament to the relationship he has with Malone at this point and like the trust that they've built. So I think Malone has done a, a really good job and by no means is he going to get any consideration for coach of the year stuff. But like we talked about with the injuries, the turnover and the fact that they're still winning and holding their own in the West, like he's done yeah. a great job. I don't, you know, people, I don't, I, people want to criticize and are always looking to criticize, but it's not an easy thing to deal with when you have such a deep team and you have veteran, a lot of veterans on it. Like, I think the most pressing example is on their second unit in their front court. They have JaVale McGee, who they traded for. They have Paul Millsap, a veteran, a four-time all-star has been with the Nuggets for four years. And then they went and signed Jermichael Green this off season. Like that is a difficult dance for Malone to ha have to make work. And so far, as far as I know, there haven't been any mutinies like, Malone has dealt with this stuff and, and they're seemingly on the ascent toward the postseason. I, you know, obviously the injuries are going to potentially limit their ceiling, but like Malone has never really made an excuse. He said, this is the hand we're dealt um, and, and we're going to keep rolling guys out there and expect to win. And that's essentially what they've continued to do. With Murray's injury, uh, Murray's going to be dealing with the most adversity out of everybody because it's his injury. But what is the pulse of the city like? You're out there in Denver. Have expectations changed for them? Well, I think this season everyone's kind of uh, wrapped their heads around the fact that, you know, it's unlikely that they're going to be championship contenders for about two blissful weeks. 
people allowed themselves to, to think, wow, this Aaron Gordon trade might have crystallized our rotations and it really might have elevated us to the championship contender level along yeah. with, you know, a healthy Lakers team or a Nets team or potentially 76ers. Like they were very much in that conversation, um, which is why which is why his torn ACL was so gut wrenching. Like it just came at at a very, I mean, there's never an opportune time, but like, you know, you're a month out from the playoffs. Like you're building towards something that the team clearly has momentum. The nuggets make the trade for Aaron Gordon because they felt they were on this trajectory. And then they just had their legs cut out from under him. Um, And, you know, Jamal's injury was, was devastating on a number of fronts because they had traded for Aaron Gordon and they felt you know, we're going to have two legitimate cracks at winning a title while we have Aaron Gordon under contract. That means this year and next season. And, you know, there's a question, when is Jamal Murray going to return? Is he going to return in in February, in March? And and if you think about it, the NBA schedule will be back on its normal time frame. So there will be less time for Murray to get acclimated to the team and build toward that postseason run again, which might be your only chance with Aaron Gordon, depending on, you know, how his contract status goes. So, I think people are just, you know, with the team in the city, uh, people are just devastated. It, it, it is a gut-wrenching um, injury for a, a guy who was in the midst of a breakout year and who was, you know, one of the top three or four players in the entire NBA bubble last year. Jamal had that flame. He had the momentum. And it was just, uh, you know, it, it, it's just very sad um, that, that the kind of the Nuggets brainchild and everything that they were building for uh, was undermined with, would just you know a freak accident did you get to see brooklyn play yesterday i did not what they do kevin durant looked like he never left it's going to be i just think it's going to be interesting if this team actually does win a championship what kind of message that sends for the regular for the regular season if they just you know have these guys playing and, and they win a championship what does that mean for the importance of the regular season you know yeah it's you know it's an interesting question and it's almost like a team like Brooklyn is on a different playing field than a team like Denver. Um, the yeah. Nuggets need yeah. everything right. They need to, uh, you know, hit on their draft picks. They need to make opportune trades. Like you need to evidently draft an MVP candidate in the second round to really have a fighting chance like they did with Nikola Jokic. And still, and still you might not be able to thread that needle. Whereas Brooklyn can just, you know, get wrecked by injuries and then, potentially everything comes together for them just because they've amassed so much talent. Um, I don't think it's a great look and it certainly doesn't help the NBA's marketing campaign when they're trying to sell the importance of the regular season. Uh, But you know, if the NBA cared that much about the regular season, then they wouldn't have compressed 72 games into a condensed timeframe and minimized the value and kind of the production and the quality of the games um, yeah. that, that they did this year because of the pandemic. So uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see if Brooklyn can do it. But, um, you know, and the you Nuggets were, again, one of those organic teams that we're building. And you can't blame Brooklyn. They're doing everything within the rules, you know. It's, it's not their fault. No, it's not their fault. And, you know, I guess everyone's happy to see – you know, KD healthy and, you know, who knows how long yes. James Harden's going to be out. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's just, you cannot talk about this season and, you know, the significance of this season without getting into the injuries because, you know, and I don't 
know if there's been more injuries or not, but it does feel like there's been more um, star players who have gone out. And that is way. that yep. because they, they put in more production during the, you know, during the regular season is because these back-to-backs are taking a toll. Like, I'm not sure what the answer is, um, but you know, this is like the, with COVID with the, the demands on, on the individual players' bodies, the testing that is rigorous and frustrating to players. Like these are all factors in what's been a really grueling season for so many people. Like you talk to anybody with any team, they will say this season has been a grind more so than any other season in recent memory. Most definitely. Mike, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Oh, where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Uh, I'm at M singer on Twitter. And then obviously you can read my work at the Denver post. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you taking the time and talk soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you for tuning into Combo's Court Podcast. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And big thanks to Mike for joining in. We appreciate you. Rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Also, take a screenshot of this episode. Post it on your IG stories. Tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. And if you'd like to support the podcast even further, I'll leave a link in the description for the Combos Court Patreon page. Be on the lookout for episode 262. Combo out.